Let's pray as we turn our hearts and our minds to the Word of God. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your Word, that your Word is alive, that your Word is powerful. We believe that. We know that, that your Word, uh, just one word from you, received in our hearts by faith, will change any situation, will, will cause us to rise above the power of the enemy. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We pray, Father, uh, today uh, we lift up all of those around the world, all of the medical workers, who uh, the doctors, the nurses, the PAs, the, uh, all of the different uh, medical uh, people in the medical field, the paramedics, the, for all the other first responders, uh, the police, the firemen, all of those that are working so hard right now. Father, we lift them up to you in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus, your son, over them, that everything that concerns them be perfected by the blood. Father, we thank you for your hand of protection upon them, that no disease, this COVID-19, doesn't overtake them, uh, doesn't get them. Uh, Father, we pray that you give them wisdom, knowledge, understanding. We thank you for a miracle cure, even uh, from natural medicines, Father, or whatever all of those uh, natural means are. We thank you, Father, that you love people and that you desire that we live and we live a long life. So Father, we, we pray right now for the emotions of all of the medical workers. Father, that you will strengthen them, that you will strengthen them in their emotions, in their hearts. Father, if they don't know you, Father, I pray that they'll hear, and, or if they have heard, that they would act on what they have heard. And if they haven't heard, that they would hear, uh, that there would be those around them uh, that would speak your word or that they'd come across it online, uh, the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that they would become members of your family, confessing Jesus as Lord. And Father, then be able to receive your strength, your help, your ability. For those that say, I can't take another step, I can't do another thing, strengthen them right now. Father. Give them uh, your uh, ability and your strength. And Father, we thank you that you uh, are good and every good gift comes from you. We thank you, Father, for the power that we have over every sickness and every disease. And we continue to thank you that this thing is leaving in the name of Jesus. That this thing, Jesus took this disease uh, in his own body on the cross. That he took this disease when he was on the cross 2,000 years ago. But that that was an eternal event. And so, Father, we thank you that mankind is redeemed from this disease because of the stripes that were put on Jesus our Lord. Father, we thank you that we have authority over this. So we thank you for this thing turning in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, uh, that uh, we have been set free by the power of the cross of Christ. In Jesus' name, oh, we thank you for it. And Father, as we approach your word, we thank you for your spirit that we don't do this alone. That's not just my thoughts and hopefully it's not even my thoughts that come up. But Father, we yield to you that you may speak through us, that we may uh, speak as your oracle, that will be your mouthpiece uh, uh, in every life of every person that's listening. Father, we thank you for supernatural words that come forth. Uh, that penetrate and divide every situation and bring your ability on the scene in every situation. Father, we thank you that your word is powerful. It is full of life, your life, and power, your power, and that your word uh, sent to us gains ground, uh, excuse me, gains root in the ground of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. Uh, you know, you ought to enter into the prayer life. There is a flow in the place of prayer that comes from the throne above so that you can actually pray out and speak out and declare things that come from the very heart of the Father. And that very heart of the Father dwells on the inside of you. He gave us the most intimate part of Himself, which is His Spirit. What man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man that is in him? Even so, no man knows the things of the Spirit of God or no one knows the things of the Spirit of God. Except for God's Spirit that dwells in Him, and He has given us of His Spirit. His Spirit lives on the inside of us. So, if you want to know uh, the things that are near to the heart of God, 
You ought to yield to His Spirit that lives on the inside of you if you're a believer. And if you're not a believer, when you are born again, you are born from above, born from the Spirit of God, and God comes to live on the inside of you by His Spirit, and then you can even be filled to overflowing with His Spirit. Glory to God. And then you're just like bubbling over with the things of God and the things that come from the heart of God. So He hasn't closed His heart off from us. Uh, exactly the opposite. He has opened his heart to us, but it doesn't come through natural believing and natural thinking. It comes from spiritual believing and spiritual thinking, and that comes from the center and the core of man, the real you, your spirit. The Bible calls that our spirit. And so that's where believing comes from. With the heart or the spirit, man believes. That is where we believe. That's why you can get confused if you're just thinking up in the head and the realm of reason all the time and you don't submit that to uh, what you have on, on your heart from the Lord um, because uh, God's a spirit. John chapter 4, Jesus said this to the woman at the well. And he, she's like, you know, uh, you know, you want me to get you some water? And he's like, you know what? I could get you some water where you would never have to come again. You'd never thirst. And she's like, she being natural is thinking natural uh, because she was not born again spiritually. So she wasn't spiritual. So she's saying, uh, well, you know, our father, like uh, father's Jacob, you know, he, he, he dug this well. Are you greater than him? And he's basically like, well, yeah, you could say that. Uh, he said, I'll give you water. Well, you'll never thirst again. And she's like, well, give me this water right? Well, Nicodemus in uh, John chapter 3, similar situation. He's saying like, you know, uh, you know, how can you, how can you, you see heaven? How can you get to heaven? And Jesus said, you got to be born again. And he's like, you got to go back into your mother's womb again? Like, I'm picturing this. It doesn't seem too pleasant. And I think my mama would not be happy, right? And so Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You're thinking natural. This is spiritual, right? So you have to be born from above. Uh, you, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus when you receive him. And that is one of the, that is the greatest experience you can experience in life. You, you become brand new. And in that you are born of God. You're birthed from God himself. And so uh, you come out of him and from his family. You're born from him above. And uh, you, you're, you're totally changed on the inside. In fact, I don't even know if that's the, it's probably not the best way to say it because it's not just a change. It's something that never existed before. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If anyone be in Christ Jesus, or any man, any mankind be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature, a new creature. Uh, one translation says, a new species of being that never existed before. You're brand new. This is not like uh, an old rusty car that you uh, sanded down and put maybe Bondo, I don't know what you put on it or whatever, and then you, you know, put some primer and then you paint it. Look, hey, it looks good, it's new. No, this is brand new, never existed before. And that's what happens in your heart. When you receive Jesus Christ, there is an act of the power and creation of God that occurs on the inside of you, and you become a new person in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away. Look and see. Grab it in your heart. Everything has become new, and then everything, this changes everything. This changes everything. The source of, of sustenance of your life has been changed. You have been refathered from above. You have a new father, a new daddy, a new Abba. You have a new relationship. And this relationship is intended by God to be a close and intimate relationship. As close as you can get in the core of your being, you know, uh, in, on the inside of you. And, and Jesus paid the price for this, for that type of relationship. He didn't pay the price so that we could be far away and walk way behind. No, no, no. Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, that uh, I will dwell in and with and among you. I think it's verse 16. In and with and among you. So he doesn't just want to be among us. He doesn't just want to be with us, but he wants to be in us. And that's what happens when you are born from above or born again. And so 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verse 18 is our main scripture text for this series. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, and says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. That's what I've just been talking about. We look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. What does that mean? Does that mean uh, we go outside, we shouldn't look at the cars so we can know how to pass? No, no, you should look at those things. But in your heart, your heart is with God in heaven. Your heart is from God in heaven. And so your heart, in other words, when you see someone who's acting foolish, who's being a jerk, who's trying to you know, hurt you or distract you or just do whatever, be mean to you, that you don't just see that, but you see beyond their flesh, beyond the veil of their flesh, and you see into their heart, and you say, that person is hurting. That person needs Jesus. That person doesn't know the Lord. Or if that person knows the Lord, they don't know how to live from the life source that is on the inside of them because they're so frustrated, they're so upset, they're so short-tempered, they, they're not partaking of the life of God. And Jesus said, I have come, John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, the, the enemy or the thief, the one that's stealing from you, has come to steal, that's interesting that a thief came to steal, <laughs> to kill and to destroy. What does that mean? Well, that means he's stealing from you. He's trying to take from you, kill you. What's he trying to, he's stealing again. He's a thief. He's trying to take life. Uh, he came to steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, it's not meant to be destroyed. So he's taking what that was supposed to be, whether it's a physical thing or a biological thing, or even a spiritual thing. Like, God never intended that we could, should live life apart from Him. And the devil came on the scene and he did the exact same thing in Genesis that he's still trying to do today because he is not creative. He has nothing new. Uh, he is evil. And he stole from Adam and Eve that intimate relationship with God. He stole from Adam and Eve life itself. And when they sinned, death begun in their physical body and in their spirits, they died. They were separated from God at that moment. And so uh, the devil has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Yes. Take that. You know, say, say that. Say, Jesus has come, Jesus has come. that I might have life. Me, that I would have life and have it in abundance. He came that way. He came for you. He came for, you say, well, he came for these other people. Yes, he's God. He came for all of mankind, the least to the greatest, wherever you're at, this side of the world and the other, even those that are not in the world, those that are on the space station. He came that they might have life. If you're watching on the space station, he came that you might have life. And life is a lot more than just all the things you can know, all the things you can think, how you can develop. It's amazing how much knowledge uh, people have. You know, they say now, if you can do a Google on the internet and find out that knowledge is doubling every, how, how, how much, how much, how much, every, what do you think? Every 10 years, every five years, every one year. Oh, no, no, no. Every 12 hours. So the Bible says in the last days, knowledge shall increase. I would say that's increased because, uh, you know, in the last 24 hours, knowledge has doubled and doubled again, right? And so uh, knowledge shall increase. So, but I don't care how much knowledge or increase of knowledge you get. The only thing that truly satisfies the heart's hunger and the heart's cry that's at the center of the real you is a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. From that relationship, there is life as God has life. It's actually the same life that God has. That same life comes and it, it will sustain you if you will look to it. Right? And so you have to receive, behold and see, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 
So while we look not the, at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. So we're looking at something you can't see, just to be clear. We're looking at something you can't see, all right? Um, for the things that you, why? Because the things that you can see are temporal or temporary, meaning they're going to change and they are subject to change. Temporal or temporary. Temporal or temporary. How you look right now is temporal or temporary, whether good or bad, right? It's temporal or temporary. It's going to change. If, if you have a baby, uh, the way that that baby comes out, uh, the way it looks when it comes out, rather, uh, it's going to change. Uh, you give it, you know, you got relatives, maybe grandparents come to see that baby and, uh, you know, they're gone for a week or something or they're gone for a month or several months. That baby looks different yeah. in a week or a month, or several months, or years, uh, that baby will look very different. That baby, uh, how that baby looks is temporary. It's going to change, and it is subject to change. And so he said, uh, we're looking at things you can't see. Well, how do you do that? Well, uh, the way I like to say it is, we do it with the eyes of faith. In other words, our eyes, not, not just our natural eyes, but it's from our heart, our spirit, that we see, that we look right? Well, you say, well, what is that? You know, well, uh, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a tragic situation. You think of students in school and sometimes maybe a teacher's exhausted or whatever. They're just, they're just living for the devil and maybe they don't even know it sometimes. Not all teachers. There's a lot of wonderful teachers. I'm just talking, uh, you know, sometimes a teacher will say uh, to a child that's struggling to learn something, oh, you're stupid. You're never going to amount to anything. You can't do it. You're not going to be able to do it. You know, well, if that little child lets that into their heart, if they see that with the eyes of their heart, it's going to affect their whole life and they will not achieve the potential that God created them to achieve. Uh, they will not become what they were supposed to become if they identify with that. So uh, you've got to see with the eyes of your spirit what God says about you. Do you know the life of God, the Zoe nature of God can develop you so much that you could be uh, literally someone that doesn't know much and doesn't have much mental capacity and your whole life can change so that you have uh, great intellect and intelligence because of God on the inside of you. There's a, there's a young lady I heard about and she was about 18 years old and she, she had the mentality of about a four-year-old, three or four-year-old. And so she would like lift up her skirt and everything like that around all these people and she's just as fully developed as any other 18-year-old. And when she's fully developed, she's doing this. You know what? She got born again and she started uh, understanding the life and the nature of God, Zoe, the Greek word for life. And all of a sudden she became just as intelligent, just as smart. And she ended up uh, being like a leader in the city. Why? Because of the very life of God on the inside of her. Why? Because she didn't look at the natural, the temporary. She looked to the unseen. She looked with the eye of faith. And so while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. All right. And so I want to read uh, the amplified translation of Numbers 21, 8 and 9. And Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. This is, you know, all the snakes were biting the people. Um, and Moses made a serpent of bronze, put it on a pole. And if a serpent had bitten any man, when he looked to the serpent of bronze attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. And of course, this is a type of Christ we read in John chapter four, uh, 3, verse 14 and 16. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life, or Greek says Aeonius Zoe. And that Zoe is what I've been talking about, is the life and the nature of God. That whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, verse 16, but have everlasting zoe, or everlasting that forever and ever, or not in the temporary world, but in the eternal world, not in the temporary realm, but in eternal things, um, he would or she would receive the life and the nature of God to never again live without it. 
And that doesn't happen when you get to heaven. That happens when you believe on the Son of God at that moment when you're recreated in Christ Jesus, eternal life comes to live on the inside of you. You come in contact with the things that are eternal. So the eternal realm exists now. We just see through this veil of the flesh and we see the natural temporary world. But the eternal world exists now and has always existed. Uh, and so it is outside of the realm of time. But when you contact the eternal world, you contact the eternal God through his eternal son, then eternity comes to live on the inside of your heart. Eternity comes to live on the inside of your heart. So, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, um, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so, uh, Luke chapter uh, 7, verse 36 through 50, we're going to go there in just a second. But we talked last week about 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? Well, um, before I go there, let's give some context for, for verse 18 that we're reading here and also uh, verse 10 that I just read. And let's um, start with verse 7. Well, you know, I need to back up to the beginning of chapter 3, but we don't really have time. <laughs> Uh, let's start with verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, thank God we have, we faint not, thank you, Lord, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty or of shame. We've renounced the hidden things of shame. Have you ever renounced the hidden things of shame? It's so important if you haven't renounced the hidden things of shame, it'll affect your ability to hear from God and get into His presence because God won't keep you out, but your shame will. And Jesus uh, died on the cross that you wouldn't have to have shame, that you wouldn't have to live under shame, that you wouldn't have to be so conscious of all those things. In fact, the blood of Jesus, it doesn't just cover your sins, it takes them away, so much so that uh, Hebrews, we learn, it affects us all the way to our conscience, that we would have no more consciousness of sins. <laughs> In other words, that that shame of sin would not be a part of us. The shame of sin would be taken away. So it's good news. It's really good news because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. He said, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all, all men unto myself. And we talked about that um, last week, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that uh, the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our flesh. And so if he's lifted up, uh, verse 28 of John, when you see the Son of Man lifted up, you'll know that He is, and He does nothing of Himself, but as the Father has taught Him, He speaks these things. And then over, over in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 7, uh, let's just turn there real quick. I know I, I kind of said we're going to go there in a minute, but I need to go there now. So in Luke chapter 7, Well, I'll just leave that quote and we'll go there. So he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. And then um, Luke chapter 7, we'll start with verse 40. And of course, um, Jesus was invited over to Simon's house to eat. And uh, we pick it up in verse 40. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have uh, somewhat to say to you. Oh, I got I to gotta go back further. We'll start with verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet and behind him weeping. 
and began to wash his feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed him with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had asked Jesus saw it, he spoke within himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. Literally, she was a a prostitute. And Jesus answering and said to him, Simon, I have somewhat to say to you. (laughs) In other words, I want to say something to you, Jesus. And he he said, uh, uh, Master, say on. So uh, Jesus said, Simon, I want to tell you something. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly gave them both. Tell me whether, uh, forgave them both rather, tell me which one of them will love him the most. Simon answered him and said, I suppose he that, uh, who he forgave the most. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. In other words, the, the man who owed the most and was forgiven would love him the most. Verse 44, And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered into your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. She has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. In other words, she got pretty personal about her worship of the Lord, about her service to the Lord. It, it came from her heart. You gave me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, has not stopped kissing my feet, or has not ceased from kissing my feet. My head with oil you did not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore, I say to you, or you could say, therefore I'm telling you, her sins which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Now that is such a vivid picture of the love of God. And you know, when you have been forgiven much, you love much. And when we talked last week about Jesus He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself and seeing him on the cross and that when we see him on the cross, we see not just him on the cross, but we see him on the cross bearing our sins. We see him on the cross bearing our sicknesses. We see him on the cross bearing our lack. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. In other words, when you see your sin on your Savior, on the cross. The more you are familiar with that, the more you will love. The more you'll realize what actually occurred and what actually happened. If if you think, well, I'm pretty good most of the time and the Lord just took care of me, you know, but I was pretty good on my own. It's it's called self-righteousness, by the way. Um, But if you allow that to be part of your life or of your thinking because you refuse to look at the cross, you refuse to see and recognize and receive what happened on the cross, it will affect your intimacy and your love with God, for God and with God, right? Your intimacy with and your love for the Lord. It'll affect it. Why? Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. That's uh, John 12, 32. John 12, 32. Let's turn there real quick. John 12, 32. Verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Verse 28 uh, of chapter 8, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will know that I am and I do nothing of myself, but as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. And so when we see Jesus 
lifted up on the cross, just like we read a second ago in, I must have lost it, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also, or the life and nature, the zoe of God, of Jesus, might be made manifest in my body. Always bearing about the dying of the Lord Jesus. So when we see Him on the cross, uh, sometimes because the resurrection was so amazing, and the resurrection meant that that life could come on the inside of us. Sometimes we just pass over the cross. But don't pass over the cross because at the cross is where your sins and your sicknesses and your poverty and every form of the curse, that's where it was taken off. Right? So it's great that it's taken off. We have to have the life of God then come in. But we have to have that taken off because the life of God's not coming in where all these other things exist. So Jesus on the cross... He took your sins, my sins. He took your sickness, my sickness. He took your poverty or lack, my poverty or lack. He took it on the cross. And when you look to the cross, when you see that on the cross, when you realize that's what happened on the cross, and that that cross was uh, an eternal event that happened. Yeah. It's not temporary it's not subject to change. Let me tell you, uh, from the foundation of the world, he was as a lamb slain. And so it's not like, well, that was just at that moment in time, a little over 2,000 years ago. No, that was outside of the realm of time, and it just showed up in time around 2,000 years ago. But that was from eternity to eternity everlasting to everlasting, forever and ever and ever, all of your sins were placed on Jesus. And forever and ever and ever, He paid the penalty and the price for your sins. Forever and ever, all, all sickness and all disease was placed on Jesus. So you could say you could look to the eternal cross. And on that cross, you see, not just for you, not just for those that are living today, not just for those that lived yesterday, but for those that are lived yesterday, that live today, and that will live tomorrow until he returns. He took on himself the sins of all mankind, the least to the greatest, the smallest to the biggest, the public to the private. It doesn't matter. He took every bit of it. And when you look to the cross and you, you lift that up like, like the serpent was lifted up on the pole, look and live. Look and live. Look and see the cross and see what happened on the cross. See that, wait a second, my shame is on him on the cross. He took my shame. He took it from me. He lifted it off of me and he took it to himself. Why? Because he wanted to take that shame and the penalty for that shame, the fact that that shame causes you to be separated from God, that that shame causes you not to even approach God. Do you know how many people say, as soon as I get cleaned up, I'll come to God? That's not going to work because you're living in shame. And that shame has to be removed from you till you feel good enough to come to God. And the way you feel good enough to come to God is when you realize, apart from Him, you have nothing good. Every good thing comes from God. Even Jesus said, don't call me good teacher God is good and so until we realize wait a second even my greatest efforts even you know I spent hours and days and nights on these projects and doing this and it was not good enough until we realize the only good enough thing is the blood of Jesus, the life of Jesus poured out for you and poured out for me. And when I recognize that eternal life that was poured out, the blood of Jesus that is forever and ever on the real Holy of Holies, in the very presence of God, and it is forever speaking about me and is forever speaking about you. It's saying, young girl, old woman, uh, young man, old man, it is saying, you are not guilty. You have been declared for all eternity, guilt removed. You have been declared freed. You have been declared healed. You have been declared uh, provided for. In other words, you have been set free from yourself and from the world and from the devil. And so that shame should not be a part of us because he took that shame. Yeah. The Bible actually says uh, in Philippians that he did not hold... Uh, 
uh, not despising the shame. In other words, he didn't hold it in low regard, or excuse me, despising the shame. <laughs> he held it in low regard. He said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, refuse to take that shame on me. Not uh, him despising the shame, despising the shame. He said, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take that shame on me and I'll take it off of you. Uh, for the joy that was set before him, he endured that cross. And you were the joy that was set before him. I was the joy that was set before him. But if we don't recognize what happened on the cross and what he did on the cross, we're going to live uh, a life that doesn't have uh, as much love for him and faith works by love uh, as it ought to have. When, if we could just know the price that was paid, if we could just know how much uh, we needed Him. Uh, it, it would change our whole perspective on life. It'll change your whole perspective on life. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. He's, he didn't say like, if I be lifted up, like you just be like, Jesus, you're amazing. You rose from the dead. It's awesome. Well, that's wonderful. But he's talking about be lifted up for all men to see on that pole, on the cross. And right now, we're coming into uh, the season uh, where we remember so vividly Jesus going to that cross. And so in John chapter 12, verse 32, it says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. And so I just want to give you the context of that. And we'll start in John chapter 12, and we'll, we'll close with this. Uh, then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus had been raised from the dead. Um, and they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with Jesus. Then uh, Mary took a pound of ointment. This is what we just read, but it was, uh, we read in Luke. This is in John. Same, same occurrence. Took a pound of ointment. Uh, a spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped uh, his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Or you could say the house was filled with the fragrance of her worship and her preparation for his, for his body's burial. Then said one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, uh, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold and 300 pence given to the poor? Hey, I just want to take a little side note. If you notice in Luke, it said that Jesus was invited to Simon's house and Simon is the one that was like, you know, dishonoring him and not even uh, washing his feet or giving him any water to wash his feet, which at that time in that culture was considered very rude. Uh, you would always do that. And it is Simon's son, Judas, who was stealing the money out of the treasury. Okay, anyhow. Uh, this is said, so sometimes things run in families and faith ought to run in your family like in Timothy's family. All right. So um, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the bag and he carried what was put in it. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my bearing has she kept this for the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. amazing <laughs> like yeah, I was just thinking about uh, Jesus said against the day of my bearing has she has she, in other words she saved this up yet while she was sinning all of these sins even if you're in in sin away from the Lord uh, the Lord can have his hand upon you and you're preparing things that you don't know what they are for and she got to anoint the body of the Savior of the world what a privilege and she got to honor him and Praise the Lord. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came uh, not for Jesus' sake only, but they wanted to see Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, right? I mean, this guy that was dead four days. I think you'd want to see him too, I would. Uh, but the chief priests consulted uh, that they might put Lazarus also to death. Because, you know, after this, before this, they're all stirred up. They're like, you know, we got to do something about this Jesus, da da da. And so what, what happens? He goes and he raises Lazarus from the dead. And so they're like, okay, now, if we don't shut this whole thing down, everybody, the whole world's going to believe on him, they said. And so they were, they were really worried. And um, if you back up uh, to chapter 11, uh, verse 50, it says, Now consider that it is, you know, that's kind of worse than somebody that's just a sinner, somebody that's full of self-righteousness, you know. And uh, Jesus got a little bit more upset at them. But he 
Because God works through authority, the position of high priest that year, he prophesied that it's expedient that one should die for the whole nation. And what he did is he put his own interpretation on the prophecy. And he's thinking, well, it's better that this one guy die so that not everybody gets uh, taken away all into all of this unbelief and all of this false teaching. But he's thinking natural, right? So you can have a word from the Lord and put your own interpretation on it and be exactly wrong, right? <laughs> and so, but the Lord works through authority. So the high priest that year prophesied it so it could come to pass. It was established. It was spoken, therefore established, and therefore written, and it comes to pass. Okay, now we'll go back to chapter 12, verse 10. But the chief priests consulted how they might also put Lazarus to death. Apparently, he's going against the prophecy. He wants two to die for the sins of all the people. Okay, because that by reason of him... That's speaking of Jesus. Many of the, oh, excuse me, speaking of Lazarus, uh, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Why? Because they saw the power of God show up in a dead man's body and raise him to life, right? On the next day, much people or many people that were come to the feast and they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. They, they, this comes to today, okay? They took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that comes in the name of the Lord. Or literally, I think you could translate that. I think it's translated victory now. You know, uh, victory now, victory now. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord of Israel. They thought, great, this is the king. We're going to establish his, his kingdom right here on earth right now. Jesus was talking about spiritual things, uh, so even they were a little confused. Uh, verse 14, And Jesus, when he found a young donkey and sat on it, as it's written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king's, king comes to you sitting on a donkey's colt. Uh, I changed the word because, you know, the old King James people get concerned. So anyhow, these things understand, not his disciples at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things that were written of him and that they had done these things to him. So at the moment, they didn't even realize what was happening. They were fulfilling prophecy, but didn't even understand it. And, you know, really, I think it was Zechariah prophesied about four or five hundred years before this, that this is exactly how Jesus would come, that he would come on a donkey, on the colt of a donkey, and uh, that, that that's how he would come in, the Messiah would come in. Uh, the people, therefore, that were, verse 17, was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause, the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, uh, Perceive you uh, how, how you prevail nothing? <laughs> Behold, the world's gone after him. In other words, everything we have tried has failed. The whole world's gone after him. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came before Philip, which was at Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip come, came and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip told Jesus. And Jesus answered and said, The hour is come that the Son of Man must be glorified. Verily, verily, I say to you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it will bring forth much fruit. He that loveth his life will lose it, and he that hates his life for this world will keep it unto life eternal. So just like Jesus had to give up his life to die on the cross, to be planted in the ground, to produce a, a whole new generation of people, we have to give up our life, but not on the cross, a physical cross. We give up our life. Uh, you know, put our flesh on the cross, so to speak. We die so that we could take his life. In other words, from our heart, we say, you know what? I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come into the family of God. I'm not going to be my Lord. I'm not going to be self-centered and selfish. I'm going to give myself to the king above every king and to the Lord above every Lord, to Jesus Christ himself, to God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ. So, um, verse 26, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there you, that you, there you may also be. If any man serve me, him my Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what will I say? Father, save me for this hour, but this hour came, uh, but for this hour I came. So, he, you know, he's, he's, he has flesh too. He's like, Lord, I really don't want to do this. Uh, save me from this hour. Yet, this is holy why I came. 
you know. And so uh, sometimes you're like, you know, I just want to do what my flesh wants to do. But look not at the temporal, look at the uh, eternal, right? Look unto Jesus on the cross. If he did it, you could do it. He gave you the power to do it. And so you don't have to uh, be dominated by those things. You don't have to be dominated by shame. You skip down to verse 32. And I, if I be lifted up, I will draw from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. So my encouragement this week for you and today is lift Jesus up. Lift him high and see him on the cross, but see what was on him on the cross. See your sins there. See your sickness there. See your poverty and lack there. See your inability there. See your shame there. He took away your shame. That is for somebody this week. He took away your shame. Don't live in that shame. He paid the price of his very life to take that shame away from you, that you would not live in shame. Thank God. Thank God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for that name which is above every other name. Thank you for that power which is greater than every other power. Thank you for that freedom that is really freedom. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray right now. I pray for that, that one or those uh, multiple people that are, are struggling under the weight of shame. Father, I thank you that you took our shame. That no matter what we have done, no matter where we have found ourselves, no matter where we have really uh, begun to come to ourselves and realize our condition, that you took that shame off of us, that you took that shame from us. Father, I pray that the light of your life would shine on their hearts right now, wherever they're at, whatever they're doing. And that, Father, everyone that's listening that has never accepted Jesus, that they would turn right now, they would respond to your spirit and give their life to you. That they would let you come and live on the inside of them and bring your life and bring your love that they will never know a day without your love ever again. That they will never know a day without your peace ever again. That they will never know a day where they are alone on their own again because they will know you who lives on the inside of them. Father, I pray for them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, if that's you, if you're listening, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, He loves you with a love that has no end to it. It is an everlasting love. And that love is greater than your greatest mistake or your greatest failure or your greatest sin. And that love will pick you up no matter how hard you fell down. And that love will surround you on every side. And that love will strengthen you when you feel weak. And that love will give you a bright hope for a bright future. Because God is not evil and He has some plans for you that would blow your mind and blow your imagination if you could catch a, even a glimpse of them. His plans for you go so far beyond the things in the flesh that may satisfy for a moment but are just temporary. His plan for you is eternal. His plan for you is lasting and lasting and everlasting. And it's real easy to come into the family of God. Uh, what happens is the most powerful act that occurs in existence. And it is when you're made a new creature by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. But from your side and my side, it's the greatest decision you can make. It's the biggest decision you can make. But if you just give up your life to God the Father through His Son Jesus, you yield that, it'll be the easiest thing you've ever done. It's the most costly, but it doesn't take any effort except for a decision from your heart. Romans chapter 10 says, If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, not only did He raise Him from the dead, but He rose Him from the dead so you could have the shame removed from you. So you could have your sins removed from you. When you realize this is why Jesus rose from the dead, 
This is why he died on the cross, because there were your sins. There were your iniquities. That means like your pattern, your, your habits of, of sinning. Like there it was on him. When you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead for you, and you say with your mouth, you confess you're declaring. In other words, you're just saying, like I would say to my wife, Melody, I love you from the bottom of my heart. You say, Jesus, I take you as Lord from everything that's in me, everything I know. I'm serious about this. I'm not faking it. I'm not just saying it. But there's something deep on the inside of me that says you are Lord, and I'm going to uh, agree with that, and I'm going to say that. And the something on the inside of you is the Holy Spirit coming upon you, and He is telling you, uh, He's giving you uh, a glimpse of what's really true. Like in the world, there's a lot of false things, but He's giving you a glimpse of what's really true. So if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You want to do that with me right now? Don't wait another minute. Today is the day of salvation. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. The world is shaking. Though quaking and shaking and the world is doing the best it knows how, but the source of all real life comes from God Himself. And you can live beyond the fear and worry that the world brings. But the only way to do that is to give your life to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you want to do that right now, it's real simple. You just uh, agree in your heart or believe in your heart what I'm going to say right now, and then just repeat it after me. Repeat it out loud. You don't have to yell it loud, but just repeat it out loud. You, you know, say it with your mouth. And uh, at the end of this prayer, your life will be forever changed. So just, just uh, pray with me right now. And uh, you, know, you can lift your hands to the Lord and just say, Oh God, oh God. I come to you right now. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. I believe, I believe that you rose him from the dead for my sins to be taken off of me. I take him, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and as my Savior. You've just been changed. And I thank you that I am now your child and Jesus is now my Lord. And I'm part of your family. Amen.